Discussing the news that matters. Light Breakfast Front Page. On front page with me this morning, Hafiz Marzuki from Astro Awani and Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Okay, well, the Finance Ministry's allocation procedure for the Tunku Abdurrahman University College continues to draw public concern. In fact, MCA President uh, Dr. Wee Ka Siong is not happy with the Finance Ministry. What is the actual correct procedure to allocate funds for Tunku Abdul Rahman University College? Well, um, if you ask me, there's no really uh, correct way to actually uh, allocate. You either allocate it or you don't. So in this uh, controversy, what we see here is basically uh, two points of view. And at Astro Awani, we actually had the chance to interview both sides, uh, right. Finance Minister Lim Guan Eng as well as uh, Representative from MCA, Datuk uh, Chong Sin Woon, who is the uh, MCA SecGen. So uh, the way I see it is there's, there's two sides here uh, because the government is looking at it from the point of political parties should not have any uh, ties to education uh, institution mm-hmm. while uh, MCA is going. I mean, it's their baby. Uh, if you want to give it, why why set a prerequisite? So the way I see it, right now there's an impasse and they one of them have to relent because the crux of the issue is actually uh, you have to make sure that the students are well taken care of right. and they have to relent, one of them. Okay, well, you know, in this case, um, the funds allocated are to help the needy students get a tertiary education. But, it, I mean, I would say this is a good thing. Why is Dr. Wee nitpicking? Okay, let's look at it uh, from the perspective of a uh, political football. This is what it has become, basically. Uh, The DAP versus MCA in a proxy war here, over 30 million allocation here. Uh, There's no right way or wrong way, but um, you know that the MCA has been uh, looking after this baby for since uh, 69 till 2018 now. Mm And uh, uh, they, they, they believe that it's something that they've nurtured over a period of time. Uh, and that uh, it's their, almost like their right to, you know, have the allocation. But the DAP, you know, led by Lim Guan Eng, uh, they are trying to play hardball and say, look, you know, uh, the money is for everybody. And at the end of the day, uh, this is public funds, and you know it cannot be the preview of one particular institution or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I think it's taking a new look at the whole issue uh, from the traditional viewpoint in the past. But the money is still getting there, isn't it? I mean, the money is there. Yeah, and it's going I think to the are, students. It's about, who, it's about who's yeah. giving the money. Who is going to allocate it? Ah, that that's, is that's that where is the yeah. crux of the matter. Prime Minister Tun Dr. Mahathir Mohamad's latest comment on the ringgit has raised questions on whether a stronger ringgit is on the cards. Uh, economists, however, think uh, that uh, ringgit appreciation may not be a good idea at a time when Malaysia's economic growth is slowing down and fund outflows are high. So why would strengthening the ringgit affect Malaysia adversely at this time in layman's terms? Uh, layman's simple. It's just that when you have outflow from here, that means there's selling of uh, a ringgit. 
and it means that you know the uh, the, the the ringgit you know uh, tends to be uh, the value you know becomes harder and therefore it will be con- diff- difficult control the the way you know uh, the ringgit uh, trend is going to be but uh, my argument is that we think that why do we want to even temper forces with that are already down there around us why do we want to monitor and control the ringgit that is i think the more important I think I think the problem here is probably there is a, the the weak ringgit and something has to be done mm-hmm. because otherwise the economy is going is going to suffer. So uh, I think Dr Mahade has a point, but the economist also has a point. Yeah. So I think what the government has to do right now is to ensure that Malaysia's economy is not severely hurt by whatever measures they take. And I'm no economist, but whoever that is the expert have to ensure that. We are not badly hurt by this. Now, if we can't strengthen the ringgit, then how can we improve our standard of living? That's another matter, different from ringgit yeah. uh, strength. I think a standard of living, you know, it's about uh, wages, the kind of wages, the kind of food bill we have, yeah. our household debt, and these kind of things. And you know, if you look at it, there's also middlemen, you know, who are raising the. A cost of living around, mm-hmm. so there may various factors. You can't just uh, pin it uh, to one or two uh, factors. I think this is a standard of living thing. It's not just pegged to the ringgit and the way it is. It's more about our lifestyle. It's about our how we control our outflows, our exports. So it's a it's a very comprehensive thing, you know. To to just to say that it's a standard of living, you know, needs to be. Uh, Uh, looked at a bit difficult. We need comprehensive solutions. Totally agree with that. All right, and uh, the day one rakyat passed the Employees Provident Fund Amendment Bill 2019, which allows the voluntary transfer of a husband's EPF contributions into the account of his wife or wives. And the amendment is also aimed at updating provisions to prevent employers who do not pay contributions from leaving the country without a court order. Now, this is fine for smaller companies, but for bigger corporations, who gets the travel ban? Let's look at the landscape first. You know, there are many, many corporations, many individuals in the other other level have been really uh, I don't know how to put it, but uh, who are unable to make the contributions for employees from the small corporations to even the big ones. Yes, and what happens is that the Poor employee is left, uh, you know, with uh, recourse that you know a uh, lot a of hassle, lot of yeah. hassle and all that. So I think uh, we have to really tighten up on this matter. Mm-hmm. I think this is a very emotive issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is uh, playing with people's lives and livelihood. It's a step in the right direction. But uh, what is the bigger issue here is to ensure that the people are actually aware. Of their rights, I mean, if if your employers are not contributing to your EPF account, you should just you know go on and just lodge a report and reducing the amount of uh, bureaucratic mess that an employee has to go through yes. just to lodge a report. So so I think the this is a step in the right. Yeah, yeah, this is a step yeah. in the right direction. But I think the bigger thing is to make sure that the employees are actually aware of mm. of, of this. Well, coming back yeah. to my original question, though, I mean, for bigger companies who have, I guess, CEOs and you know, a whole well, I want to say cabinet, but a whole <laughs> department of your big bosses, who does get the travel ban? 
I mean, do you know? Uh, it seems like the biggest secret we've ever heard before uh-huh. about who's the liability party. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact remains that uh, have we ever really seen this in the newspaper about no. big CEOs or yeah. you know controllers? No. So I think there are loopholes being uh, exploited yes. uh, by people, and this is where I think the EPF has to explain who actually has the uh, yeah. who's holding the buck. Yeah, yeah. the buck. Yes. What was the previous punitive measures for employers who do not pay into the EPF contribution? Do you know what? The uh, I think they give you until fifteen days of your last drawn salary mm-hmm. for the first deduction to be made, mm-hmm. uh, and if you don't do that, you already being in contempt, so to speak. Uh, and some guys do for weeks and months, you know, that they don't make these payments and then adjust it later. I think maybe the onus is on EPF as well in the enforcement uh, because we don't know much about this. Mm-hmm. This is a behind-the-scene kind of thing. So we don't know. And when we don't know, we think it doesn't exist. I think it comes back to the awareness part, you know, uh, EPF can only do so much because they have like like hundreds and thousands of workers uh, and so I think the employees uh, have to be aware of this and make sure that their rights are not being trampled with by the employers. All right. And uh, PKR Deputy President Datuk Sri Azmin Ali appears to have mended ties with Party President Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim following a special party political bureau meeting just recently. Um, and you could see all the lovely photos in Facebook and Instagram postings. Even uh, Datuk Sri Anwar has posted some yeah. friendly pictures. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of drama in fighting in the last two years. How can one meeting after even the fiasco of the parallel congress solve everything I think that's the magic of it right uh, yes. I mean, like one meeting and you can solve everything but I think well look at it this way uh, Azmin is very pragmatic he knows he could not uh, go against the president at this point in time and there's, there's no use fighting with the president on, on, on things like this and it, it's certainly not going to carry any favours not just with the members of PKR, even the electorate will be mad at him if he were to switch parties or anything right now. I think I think they're just being pragmatic. Whether it's just for show, only time can tell, I think. Your thoughts, Rajan? I quite agree with you. This is a patch-up uh, meant to, you know, keep the party uh, in a proper footing for now. But there's a lot more still water below this. Mm-hmm. And until... The uh, intrigue between Anwar and Azmin uh, is completely uh, uh, cleared. Uh, we're going to have this this kind of tension around there, and this is really sad, you know, because um, this is the party, you know, that uh, has been going on faithfully in the reformacy, ala pharma pharmacy, uh, going on, and so to come to this kind of a state where uh, the number one and number two are having problems. It's it's really you know uh, mm. unprecedented, but I think uh, An- Anwar has averted uh, problems by allowing uh, Azmin you know to continue the Wanita and uh, youth, youth uh, meetings. That helps uh, to diffuse the situation. But we must find out what really is behind the minds. I think I think what's behind the minds is basically who's taking up the premiership. <laughs> and I think uh, it's not going to get solved until one person is called to the Istana Negara to be sworn in as the 8pm. Mm. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, there has to be a bitter uh, consequence. All I think. right. Well, we all wait and watch. UMNO must come up with a new 
deal, which among others must see a change to its agenda to be more inclusive, says Datuk Sri Muhammad Hassan, otherwise known as Tokmat. The UMNO Deputy President said the party should undergo a serious radical alignment in its approach to regain the people's support. And I, I agree this is a good step towards a better political system, but what needs to be done to ensure that all of us Malaysians get the best from this quote-unquote new deal? Your thoughts, Hafiz? I think it comes back to actually, actually Tokmat should have been talking about this since the past 18 months. UMNO needs to rebrand and needs to change their direction. But but if I can speak metaphorically here, uh, let's say the political parties are offering uh, products to be sold and, and, and we the people have to buy it. For this uh, case, let's say UMNO is selling biryani. There's some problem with the recipe before and we're not talking about just reducing cardamoms or certain spices. You have to change the whole recipe. You have to get a new supplier. Mm-hmm. And, and as long as talking about a new deal without actually making sure that it is reflected in the party, I'm not sure whether people want to buy that. So I think it is important for AMNO as a party to ensure that all the bad apples are removed first. Right. And then they talk about actually reforming the party. Your thoughts, right? Yeah, I think uh, the current AMNO leadership is uh, neither here nor there because there are differences of opinion. There's all kind of, you know, uh, conflicts and court camps cases. and yes, uh, court cases, bad definitely. publicity, you know. Uh, Amno is still going through, you know, the transitional phases. It'll really take a while before they can settle down, I think. And this is reflective from what um, Tokma has said. You can see that they would love to have this kind of settled uh, situation, you know, but uh, it cannot be because there's so much uh, at stake uh, that once the leadership is sort of agreed and uh, approved, only then can you start talking. You can have nice mm. words, but right. that's about where it's going well, to be. Th- speaking of nice words, I mean, uh, I think his, um, you know, what he's proposing sounds good on paper, but I don't believe that every UMNO member would agree to this. I think they believe that that the reason for that it is fueled by their string of by-election victories. Mm-hmm. And they seem to, f- I mean, the feel-good factor is with them. But they have to realize that the Malaysian electorate have rejected them in GE14. And I mean, they should be aware that a by-election and the general election are two totally different uh, ball game, so to speak. All right. Well, yeah. gentlemen, it's been wonderful having you both here this morning on Front Page. Thank, Thank you very much. Sure. That was Hafiz Marzuki, was reporter it? at Astro Awani, and Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor on the Front Page.